Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastside.co. This morning's message is how to have a perfect day. (laughs) Anybody need a good day? How to have a great day? How many want great days day after day after day? I do. I want great days. Um, We're going to talk about that this morning, but if you really want to learn how to live the spirit form life, this is an incredible book. I don't know if we have many left at the back, but we've got them available to you, written by Jack Hayford, How to Live uh, the Spirit Form Life, probably the most influential book I've ever read as far as helping me day-to-day uh, be a Christ follower, and that's uh, uh, what we want to be and do. So I was moved and motivated this week to to write this message and to to bring it to you today for several reasons. The first one was the whole idea of getting the text about peace. And, uh, you know, I'm losing my peace. Well, you're not losing Jesus, so you're not losing your peace. What you're doing is is focusing on the wrong thing. You know, you need to, if you want peace, you need to focus on what brings peace. And so, and that's Jesus. He's, he's my hope. You know, I place my hope in him. I place my trust in him. That's, that's what he is. Another reason was, I talked to a guy that, you know, may be a seeker. He, he might be a new believer. I'm not really sure. Sometimes it's hard to tell when, when, they're, when people are just making a commitment to Christ. I think he has certainly acknowledged the Lord, and I think he's trying to begin to follow God. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But one of the things that he said to me, he said, I just don't understand the music. I don't understand the, the um, uh, you know, the whole idea that, that you know, we, we do 40 minutes of music. Uh, uh, up front and and um, I would just rather come when the message starts and you go no <laughs> no and he says well I just don't get it I don't get why, why we do it and, and and let me just explain that I was motivated by that because that there's a fundamental thing that I think that we have to learn as, as worshipers it says it says in scripture that Jesus is seeking people who will worship him in spirit and in truth I mean, there's this there's this idea that 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 we need to to be worshipers of God, and we worship Him with our life, and and in our life it should look like what He asks us ask it to look like. So, uh, when I think about teaching a, a church how to be Christ followers, which the first the first fundamental principle of being a Christ follower, what do you think that might be? Actually, it would be to follow Christ. You follow him. <laughs> you don't lead him. You, in other words, you don't say, God, hurry up. Come on. Come on. You're lagging behind. I need you to get with your game. What you say is, I want to follow you. I want you to lead me. I, I, I want to humble myself before and let you do the work. And so, to, so when I was young, I was 28, and that's young. For some of you, that's really young. That's really old, I mean. Um, but that was young to me. And I came, I came to Christ. Well, I had grown up in the church all my life. And so I was very, my, my daddy used to wear me out if I didn't get up and go to church. I mean, I mean, it was like if he had to tell me twice, 
You know, it was like, you're going to get with it, son. I went to church every week for 28 years, yet I didn't understand that you could have an intimate personal relationship with God. I believed that my parents were worshiping the right God. I believed that my parents were worshiping Jesus and that he died on the cross and that he raised from the dead and that he, he was the Lord. I believed those things. I think a lot of people do. But I didn't know that you could actually be a Christ follower, that you could follow Christ and he actually leads you and have intimate relationship with you. So once I discovered that, once I had that burning bush encounter, which I did, I had a, a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit, and it blew me away. And once I had that encounter with the Holy Spirit, I made a decision, and I think it's, an, I think it's one of the most important decisions that you could make as a believer and that you've got to understand as a believer. And that is, if it says it in this book, you better do it. And I'm not talking about what a church says that book says. I'm not talking about what a preacher says that book says. I'm not talking about what a tradition says that book says. I'm talking about what that book says. And there's a major difference. The Bereans were given accommodation by God because they went to church, listened to what the preacher had to say, went home, got in the word, and make sure that the preacher was preaching the word. That is the responsibility of a believer. You cannot just buy into everything you hear. And so it's important as you learn to follow God that you, when you read it in the Word, that you make a predetermined decision that you're going to do what that says. Now, the important part for me is oftentimes what you do, what you hear, and what's out there all over the place are preachers who have this idea they want to sell you, and they use Scripture to back it up. That's how they put together messages. They, they, they have this idea, this creative idea that comes to mind with or without God. And then they use scripture to back it up as a reference like the encyclopedia. They could use any reference they wanted to, but the, the seed thought is the idea that they want to present, and then they use the word to back that up. Now, for us believers, we can test that and discover whether that is the word of God if we go back and test that scripture out to see if it is actually what that scripture is saying with the attitude in which it was written by God toward the church. And we've got to be able to discover that. But what, what, we, what we find today, which is prophesied in Scripture, is that you've got a bunch of believers who just come to church and they want their ears tickled and then they just go home and they don't even test what they're hearing. And that's how the Scripture comes to mind when it says that in the last days there's going to be a lot of people, uh, false prophets. There are going to be a lot of people that are proclaiming to hear from God and speak the Word of God and, and the church is going to buy into it and they're going to be deceived. And there's going to be a lot of people who, who have a form of godliness, but they deny the power of God. Now, the truth of the matter is the power of God was what was the witness to the early church of actually the presence of God. And so one without the other means that one's missing. So I thought 
that I would just begin to go about, if I'm going to have a great day, if I, what I did was, I just, want, I just want to be practical with you. I just want to talk to you. This is a, a message. I am a preacher. But I just want to help you learn to have great days. There was an article that I wrote in a Christian magazine. And let me just read it so I don't mess it up. It says this. It says, when God's people do not live in the word, many things happen. All of them are bad. When we don't live in God's Word, there's lots of stuff that happens and all of them bad. And so I thought I'd take the positive side of that and go, well, let's just, let's just like get 10 things that we can measure, measurable things that we can use to, to help us formulate great days where I could just have great days. Now, we're only going to get to five of them today. I've proven that in the first service. And so I'm not going to even strive so I can preach the second half of this message next week. But the first five are valuable and they're important. And so let, let's, go, let's go over that real quickly. Oh, one other testimony before I get started. Um, we were singing that song um, just a moment ago about the beauty of God. What, what, what were the words? Uh, where's Anna? Where's my... She's, she's separated from the room and going with her child, I'm pretty sure. What's the words, Michael? Let me f- find them. Y'all ever seen this in church? To know your goodness and to see your glory. We're transformed by this one thing, your presence and your beauty. There was uh, someone who left the first service, and they were singing that song. They said they couldn't help. And I just want you to, because this is, this is, it, all of us are in process. You're in process. And, and you're in the place where you have formulated a view about God and what he's able to do in your life. And because of that formulation, that view of who you think God is, that's where you are spiritually. What you believe God for is what you're receiving. What you believe God could do in your life is exactly what you're getting. And this says that we're, we're doing this because we, we, there's a beauty you have, and there's glory that you want to bring, and we're in process of seeing more of his beauty. That's called revelation and truth. We see more revelation. We get more truth. We see more beauty of God. We see more glory of God, the nature and the character of God, and it transforms us. That's the transforming process. That's how it works. So we're all being transformed. This is what she said. She said she had an uncle uh, two weeks ago that was on his deathbed and said said he came back from a coma-type situation for days and said he came out of this, this, uh, this state singing a song uh, to the Lord. And I don't think this was his practice in life, but he was singing the song. And he looked up and he said, he's even more beautiful than I thought. He's even more beautiful. And his, he, and his splendor is magnificent. He died an hour later. He'd already seen I just think that's neat. Now listen, I don't think that's abnormal. I don't think that's a deathbed experience. I think that's available to all who would pursue. 
God wants to show you more of his beauty. He wants to show you more of his glory. And we're all in process. And whatever you believe about who God is in your life, that's what you're receiving. And so what I want you to what I want to do today is just give you some practical steps of how to have a great day. <laughs> that's a great that's a great title of the message. Y'all all tell Brandon he needs to up his titles. That is a great title right there. The first thing you got to do is you've got to invite God into your day. You know, it's amazing to me how many believers don't actually extend an invitation to God to join them in their day. Now, when I say that, what I really mean by that is I want you to verbally have communication with your with your God. I mean, you can't even talk to a dog and invite him to come with you lest you call his name. Right? When I call my dog, I say, Jesse, come on. Come on. What she do? She comes, right? She said, Jesus said to you, knock, and the door be open. Seek, and you'll find. Ask, and it'll be given, right? All those things are true. We don't invite God. So simple, simple stuff. True, but simple. There's a lot of ways you can do it, and what I don't want you to see is religion. Because God is about as interested in religion. Do you know Jesus, he just blasted the Pharisees. Why? Because they were teaching them a form of godliness, religion instead of relationship. What Jesus came in and says, you can abide with me. You can abide with the Father. You can be one. What's his is yours and what's, you know, it's a, it's a reciprocal thing. You can be in relationship with God, this intimate thing. But you can't do that unless you at least greet him in the morning. And there's a lot of ways to greet him. You can get up in the morning, and I oftentimes say with men at men's events, which there's ladies included, before you go to the bathroom or on your way, which is what most people do in the first, first of the morning because they've been there all night. Now, if you're at a certain age, I don't want you to, to say this until after 6 o'clock because you've already been up three times during the night, but that, that doesn't matter. That's supposed to be funny. It's really not. Okay, this is church. All right. So... <laughs> Get up and just say, just say, good morning, Lord. Say that out loud with me. That's interesting, isn't it? You know, I've taught around here for years that when we pray for people, you know, one, God says, when two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. And so when I pray for someone and I agree with Robin and I say, and, and I say Lord, Robin and I, and I say, Father, I've invited him. He's, where, he's there with me, you know, because I've talked to him. Same thing, too, is agreeing. Good morning, Lord. You say good morning, Lord, and see if you don't seem to recognize the fact that heaven just opened up on you, that you just invited heaven to participate in your day. Now, you could do it like this. I don't care how you do it. One way you can do it is oftentimes in the morning I'll wake up singing. It drives my family crazy to some degree, but everybody else does it, too, <laughs> most days. At some point during the day, maybe not first breath, but oftentimes first breath is worship. And you know what's really strange is I, I might not have heard that song in 10 years, and I wake up singing a song to the Lord that I hadn't heard in forever, and I go, wow, 
I hadn't heard that song in forever. You know why that happens? Because most of the time, I need the message in the song. It's for my day. And when I begin to do that, and when I hear myself singing, and I begin to think about the phrase that I'm singing to the Lord, and I begin to apply it for my day, I can rest assured that almost always, 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 I'm going to need that phrase that day. There's going to be something that comes up in my life when I, when I need to be reminded of whatever that phrase might be. Your grace is amazing, God. You know, there might be a point in that day where I'm going to really need to know that his grace is amazing. And I'm going to need to lean on that. So you can say it all kinds of ways. Now, you can even say it like this. God, that preacher told me to invite you into my day. And I don't know whether you're really even going to come or not. But I just want to I just want to do it right now. Now I promise you, if you do it that way, he'll show up. You just test him on it. You ask him, you say, that preacher said, that preacher said that if I'd talk to you, you'd show up. Give it a shot. See if it doesn't work. Look at what it says in um, Proverbs 3 6. It says, In all your ways, in everything you do, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. He'll make your path straight. Now, how many of you don't want to chase your tail? How many of you don't want to get sidetracked down a bunch of roads that don't lead to you where you want to go? How many of you can wake up in the morning and you've got this vision for the day, you've got this vision for life, you, you know where you think the Lord's already told you to go, and you, and you want to head straight to it without any delays, without any, any distractions, and, and without any... Uh, having to go through stuff in life that, that, that it's unnecessary. You just want to get right to it. How many D high type A personalities are in the house right now? How many live with a type A personality? Would you raise your hand? Oh, come on. There's got to be more than that. All right. Y'all awake? Now, listen, I just want to get straight to it. This is what the Lord says. You seek me first. You invite me in, and I'll straighten out your path. It doesn't say... It doesn't say, you know, that, that he says, I'll direct your steps in other places. But this particular thing says, I'll, I'll get you to point B straight. I'm going to tell you, the reason we chase our tail so oftentimes, and the reason all kind of uh, distractions come and all kind of things come in is simply because we hadn't invited God. It's simply because we hadn't ushered him in. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, pray without ceasing. Now, let me just point this out. Praying without ceasing doesn't mean that you're on your knees and that you're, and that you're you know, in this place where Daniel was. We used to go to the uh, window three times a day, and he would, he would pray. There are, there are times that we do that. But praying without ceasing requires that you have conversation with God. So this is basically just inviting God into every situation that you're going to face every day. That includes driving. It includes driving. You, you're saying, I know what you're saying. You're thinking, I'm just interceding for the person that, that I'm behind. <laughs> 
But praying without ceasing requires us to have conversation with God, inviting him in. And, and, and the scripture tells us this word, no matter what your tradition, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, commands you to pray without ceasing as a believer. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides, whoever lives with me, whoever is in the same house, in the same line of thinking, coming up underneath the same kingdom, whoever is in agreement with me, abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. There's nothing that you can do that's going to be successful or eternal without Jesus. Do you know that Scripture tells us in so many places that there's going to be a lot of striving, there's going to be a lot of working, there's going to be a lot of things done, and it's like hay, wood, and stubble is compared to. There's even a lot of good things for God being done, this hay, wood, and stubble. But he only says, unless the Lord builds the house, the people labor in vain. In other words, if God's not doing it, if God's not doing the instruction to do it, then we're laboring in vain. And there's a lot of that stuff going on in our lives. And he's saying, unless I do it, unless I give the instruction, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, but there's the beginning place of getting those instruction is inviting God in. I promise you, I promise you, with everything within me, God's not coming in uninvited unless he's carrying out his plan through an unbeliever. He is going to allow you to invite him into the circumstances, and nothing can be done without him. And without faith, Faith is believing that God is who he says he is and that God will do what he says he'll do and that the church will receive from God the promises that he has given in Scripture for everyone who is a believer. Faith, it is impossible to please God without faith for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. There is this belief that as you pursue him, as you invite him in, that you're going to receive a reward for that. What's the reward? His presence. What's the reward? Your path will be made straight. It's impossible for your path to be made straight unless you invite him in. Seek first, Joe quoted this earlier, it comes from Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things. What's all things? Did you give the Greek of what all means this, this service? Yeah, the Greek of all is all. That he will give all things, all things. All things what? All things that he promised will be added to you. That's God's desire. Now, it's in this pathway of progress. In other words, if you do something today, you're not going to receive it all at one time. He, he's going to gradually take you along the way. Nobody has arrived. But the beginning place of having a great day is to invite God in. Would you agree with that? 
Are you committed to doing that? So give me a 1 to 10 scale on how you're doing every day, the past six months or the past month or what, however you want to do it, uh, of inviting God into your day. Are you doing that? Are you bringing him in? Are you asking him to join you? 1 to 10 would, would be great. Now, I want you to go easy on yourself. You know, this is not the condemnation. And you can write really small if you want to so your neighbor can't see what you put down. It's none of their business. <laughs> this is between you and the Lord. The whole idea is, is to just recognize the places that you might need to improve to have a great day. So the first thing you got to do is invite God. The second thing you got to do is eat his word. You have to eat the word of God. In the word... There is spirit, the word said. The, the spirit of God <clears throat> is connected to the word of God. Matter of fact, it says in Scripture that the, the word of God is actually the weapon of the spirit of God. This is so important. So as we pursue God, you, you have to begin to sue God, and then you have to eat his word. Jeremiah 15, 16 is funny. He says, your words were found, and I ate them. Jeremiah says, and your words became to me a joy and a delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. He ate them. It became his joy. It became his delight. You know, so oftentimes we, when we think about the word and not being in it, we condemn ourselves. We, we think we're just not cutting it as a good Christian, and, and we just we heap. But that's not the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a joy. It is not supposed to be a burden. And so we have to recognize the fact that you can't separate the Word of God from the Spirit of God. In other words, you cannot receive instruction unless you eat the Word because, I want you to get this, the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to give you the instruction. For example, if you know nothing about the Bible, the Spirit's going to have a hard time directing your path. Because what the Spirit's going to do is pick up the Word of God and bring it to you. In other words, if you memorize the Scripture in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, that says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then all these things will be added unto Him. What you can begin to say to yourself in your heart and on your lips is, God, you told me if I'd seek you, your kingdom first, then, then you would begin to add things to me. And I'm looking for you to add things to me today. Lord, I want to see who you are. I want to know you better. And I just want you to add something today. I promise you, you do those two things right there and you'll get something at it. If you'll pay attention, God is at work everywhere. He's everywhere all the time. He is working in your life. You've got to pay attention. You've got to seek him. You've got to be after the kingdom, and then you've got to be in the word so that he can use that word. And what he'll do is, let's say that you say, Lord, let's say you, you, you say, Lord, I invite you in today, or maybe you sing a song or whatever, and you're walking uh, through the office, and you hear two people at the water cooler gossiping about you, and you're immediately your feelings are hurt, and your stomach uh, goes into your throat or whatever might happen, and then you hear this voice that says this, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and I'll add all these things. 
and somehow you've got peace in the midst of a situation that was nasty for a moment, right? Because the Spirit of God has the Word of God, and He brings that truth to you, and then you can your faith is built up on that, and you just got added to a little bit. You just moved forward a little bit. You just had a great day. Listen, you can have a great day in the midst of bad circumstances because you know God's with you. Y'all tracking with me? There's no substitute in this, guys. When you see people who are successful and see the glory of God, they are committed to this principle. They eat the word. They love the word. It's their delight. It's their joy. Ephesians 6, 17, and 18 says this, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What is the Word of God? It's the sword of the Spirit. Pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. You cannot separate the Spirit and the Word, so you need to eat the Word. How many of you have ever been riding down the road on a... Man, it's a beautiful day out there today, and so I'm not going to be long-winded. I'm going to turn you loose. I'm only on two. got to get with it. All right. You've been riding down the road, it's a beautiful spring day, it's 68 degrees, the windows are down, and then you smell it. Ribeyes cooking on a grill. Y'all ever smelled that smell? You go, dang, wonder where they live. <laughs> Supper's ready, you know? You, 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 you want to join it. It smells good. It makes you hungry. makes you think, boy, I, I, I want one of those. Uh, you know, we need to go home and cook out. We haven't cooked out in a long time. Whatever it might do, you've got this positive thing there in your mind. With that, you, you, There's this relationship with that smell and what it brings, right? That's what Jeremiah is saying with the word, that he delights in it. It's it's an aroma. Have you ever eaten Chinese? How many have eaten Chinese in the room? Everybody eating Chinese? (laughs) How many have ever eaten Chinese and 30 minutes later you forgot you ate anything at all? You ever been like that? It just didn't work. I mean, you you ate something and it stayed with you like 15 minutes. You said, man, I'm hungry. My stomach's growling. Well, I just had lunch. Well, what'd you eat? Well, it just doesn't, doesn't, it's not, not feeling. That's not the way the Word of God is. And some of us have that kind of thought towards the word for some reason. I don't know how it got there, but that, that's not the way it is. The word of God is satisfying. It's incredibly satisfying. If you need a Bible, I can recommend an incredible Bible to you, but you really need to get in the word, and you've got to eat the word so that the spirit of God can talk to you. In other words, if you aren't growing, if you're not growing spiritually or you feel like that you're in a bad place or you feel like that God's not moving in your circumstances or you, or you feel in any of those type things, I can promise you those first two things, something's wrong. You do those two things right there in a relationship manner, not a religious manner, and God's going to begin to speak to you. He's going to begin to bring you forward. So how are you doing with eating the word? Now, when I say eat the word, let me just, before you rate yourself, some of us eat three times a day, and I can tell by looking in the room that it's not a lot of us fasting. There may be just a few. 
But the preacher obviously is not fasting at all. We eat three times a day, and by golly, when 11.30 gets here, we know it's almost 12. It's almost lunchtime during the week. I mean, we, we know when it's time to eat. This, Jesus said this, man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The Word of God should take on that type of thing to us. So those of you who are physical fitness nuts, who believe that you're supposed to eat five times a day, there's a higher challenge on you reading the Word more. Wouldn't you non-physical fitness type agree with that right now? (laughs) There's that same passion for the Word. Jesus knows that you can't prosper spiritually without eating. that you'll famish and you'll die. Number three, how are you doing? Let's do, let's do one to ten. How are you doing on eating the word? Number three, you need to commit to righteousness. Romans chapter 6, verse 16 through 18 says this, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves? Can you all read this out loud with me? This is so good. Let's start at the beginning. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? So, stop. What leads to righteousness? Obedience. You have to eat the word, then you have to do the word. And what you have to make a decision to do prior to leaving in the morning, If you want to have a great day, prior to leaving in the morning, you've got to make a decision in your life that you're going to commit to righteousness. Not not that I'm not going to do bad today. You've got to commit that I'm going to do good today. There's a major difference in that way of thinking. You're not thinking, well, I'm just deciding I'm just, you know, I'm going to try my best not to do bad today. No. You're no you're a slave to that which you want to be obedient to, right? That which that which you obey is 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 what you're tied to. And he says you're no longer slave to that. You're slave to righteous thinking. In other words, if it's in the Word of God, that's what I'm going to do. Again, I'll go back to number one and number two. You got to invite God, and you got to eat the Word so that you can commit to doing the right thing. And then you focus on the right thing. You don't focus on the bad stuff. You don't focus on your flaws. You don't focus on your negative stuff. Or otherwise, you're just going to beat yourself all the time. You're going to beat yourself up all the time because you're going to fail and fail and fail, and you're going to see your failures more than you see your successes. And what you need to do is begin to see your successes and begin to build on those. I did right there. I did right there. I did right there. There's where I did right. Catch yourself doing right. Because you committed to righteousness. I committed to God's way, and I did it when it was hard. And that really comes into play in relationships. But you have to commit to righteousness. So how are you doing? Are you committed to doing things God's way even when it's hard? Now, I just want you to know that the hardest test in this is relationships, and oftentimes it's the relationships at home. 
how we treat our husbands, how we treat our wives, how we respond to our children. I can tell you over and over and over again, I've heard this from the Lord to the preacher. Is that the way you want me to treat you? He, he has said to me on multiple occasions, as I discipline my children, as I make a decision on how I'm going to respond to something, do you, are you setting precedent, Alex, on how you want me to deal with you? So committing to righteousness is, 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 is breaking old patterns, whether they come from your father and mother and that's the way they did it, so that's the way you did it, or how or, or, or so worldly system, or it doesn't matter what kind, how you got into the pattern or what pattern you got into, a commitment to righteousness is throwing all that down and committing yourself to doing things the way God instructs. And all the time, Every time is hard. If it was easy, you wouldn't need God. Right? It's God's side stuff. God says he wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above everything that you could imagine or think. That sounds like it's bigger than you. So treating your wife and your husband the way God wants you to treat them in the midst of bad circumstances... It's way bigger than you. But you are never going to be successful at doing that until you commit first thing in the morning to righteousness. I'm committing to right thinking. I'm committing to doing things the way God did. Now you know how important it is to me, and I think it's the biggest reason for my spiritual growth through the years is a commitment to do everything that's in this. If it says shout, I shout. If it says lift your hands, I lift my hands. Do you know that God commands us to shout continuously in Scripture? Shout to God, all you people. That's why Michael says do it. Why does Michael say do it? Because it's good for you and it's good for me. Because God asks us to. Let me just say something. <laughs> Have you ever shouted at something that you just didn't believe in? You've never got excited about your kids running the first base with vocal loudness unless you were really into it. God knows that about you. He created you that way so that he knows if you invoke a shout toward him that you might actually believe what you're shouting. And it might actually take root in you. Right? And then when it takes root in you, that's how you're transformed. Right? Can't happen unless you commit to that righteousness. How are you doing, 1 to 10, on committing to that righteousness before you leave the house? Now, when you leave the house, number four, you need to be mission-minded. You need to let God prioritize your day for the glory of God. I'm going to combine these two for time purposes. Number five, you have to place your hope in him. He is your provision. He is your increase. So when I talk about being mission-minded, I want to talk about two things. First of all, I'm goal-oriented, and I hope you are because I think God is. I think, I think what he lets us do at work is he releases the creative aspect of who he is in you, in your workplace. I think that's why work was created. 
When he, when, when he was, God worked the garden. Before he gave it to Adam and Eve. And then he told them to work the garden. There's a creative element in our work. And so, and so we need to go to work. And Christians need to be the best workers in the workplace. I'm tired of seeing and hearing about Christians who are lazy and too spiritual to be any good. You know, we, we should be the type of employee that the employer says about us, give me 10 more Christians. I got to find me some more Christians. They don't gossip. They don't, they don't waste time with addiction. They, they, they actually get things done. They're productive. They're, they're doing life as unto the Lord. So they do their work with integrity and with precision. Versus, I ain't never hiring another Christian. They're lazy. All they do is go to Facebook and, and post how great God is all the time. While they need to be working. <laughs> so, so when we... When we give God our day, we have to allow God to plan it out, but we also have to respond in that day the way, the way heaven responds or would have us respond. And so when we do that, we have to work as unto the Lord. We have to do our work as if we're working for Jesus. We need to be productive in all those things. And one of the things that, I, that as you set goals, that I've learned early, and I believe it because there's a principle, and I'll tell you about it in just a second. But if, if you'll work hard and you're a Christ follower and you've got your instruction from God, I think you'll be more productive than you ever could be if you did it without God. How many would think that that might just be true, that you could produce more in your day with God than you can produce in your day without God? And so when you invite God in, what you have to be responsible for is your work ethic as unto the Lord. So God is ordering your day. You're asking the Lord how, how and what to do. You're letting him set, help you set goals, time goals, calendar goals, all those kind of things. And you're saying to him, Lord, is this okay? Is this what you would have me do? Is this, is this what the day should be looking like? And when you get clarity on what your day should be, you need to work hard and then allow him to bring the increase. You see, God wants to do exceedingly abundantly what you can produce. So why would you settle for what you can produce and not settle for what God can produce? God wants to produce through you in such a way that it brings glory to him. He wants people to see him through your production. He is able to bring an incredible increase. Now, one reason we don't have increase is because we haven't done steps one, two, three, and four. We really haven't given it to God. We say we do because we committed to Christ six years ago. And when I committed to Christ, I committed my work to him. No. That's the way believers live. I'm a Christian, so God has to do all this stuff for me. He says, no, you reap what you sow. What you plant, you will receive a fruit from. 
He just wants to pour abundance on it. He just wants to make it bigger than what it would have been if he hadn't put his name on it. So you have to work and give your life to God. Now let me just real quickly, and I'm just we're going to just go in. We're not going to do a song, and, we, and, and the worship and the team is going to pray for anybody who needs prayer. When you have tough decisions, or maybe when when you're thinking about changing jobs, or you're making career moves, there are so many Christians who don't even don't even ask God. They, they don't, they, they don't, you know, they, they say, well, I, you know, it's kind of like a guy who told his wife, you know, I told you I loved you when I married you, and if I ever change my mind, I'll let you know, you know, that, you know that's kind of the way we treat the Lord. You know, I committed to you 10 years ago, and if I ever decommit, I'll let you know. And God, God just doesn't move that way. He wants to be responsive with you in your decision. He wants you to, to, to line up with him. He wants to show you his way. There's so much debt in this room right here with Christians not uh, handling their money the way the Bible says. Now, that's not, that is not a condemnation. I hope it brings conviction because something needs to change. We, we are in a stressed out, full, anxious uh, body of believers that look just like the world. And one of the biggest reasons is that because we haven't asked the Lord whether we ought to do something his way. And if we do it, he's going to say, you know, you're slave to your debtor. Well, well, I need a car. Well, you're a slave to your debtor. And I know so many people who buy this nice car when they have means, and then a year from now, when they have a six-year uh, debt on a car, they find themselves in financial situations that are different, and they go, man, I'm covered up with debt. Well, if you'd ask the Lord, he already told you what to do. But we don't like that because it's un-American. I'm pointing all that out because it's true. Now, the question is, are we really, really, really going to begin to ask God how to do things and respond and make a commitment to do them rightly, righteously, the way he says to do it? He wants you to live in freedom, but you're living in slavery to something that you made a decision on that's contrary to the way he does business. And he says, I want to cut you free from that. But the only way to be cut free is to invite him in. The only way to be cut free is to know his word, to eat it. The only way to be cut free is to make a commitment to do it the way he says. The only way to, to do that is to, to let him set your goals. Now, there's this Ben Franklin thing. Anybody ever heard of that? I, I use it all the time. It's a pros and cons where you, you make a T on a page and you put pros on one side and cons on the other. Well, let me tell you how I do stuff. When I do pros and cons, and let's say that you hate your job. This is a good one because everybody hates their job. You hear me? Not everybody. You know, some people are blessed. But some people, I just, man, all the people I work with, man, they just, you know, everybody I work with is a heathen. I, you know how many times a preacher hears that? There's tons of heathen out there. If you think you're going to get a job without heathen, you've lost your mind. I mean, it's just not there. I mean, it's not even here. There's heathen that come every week. All right. Isn't that true? There's heathen in the church all over the place. 
Jesus said there'd be wolves in sheep's clothing. Watch out for them. They'll be in the church. <laughs> All that's free. That's not even in the note. But you write your pros and your cons, and then you write them down. Your pros, cons. This is the pros of the job. Here are the cons of the job. <laughs> and then you ask the Lord, Lord, am I seeing this the way you see it? That is an important question. Am I viewing this thing the way you view it? If I'm not, Lord, correct my view. Right? All right, now let's say that you're in a, a really bad situation at work, and the only pro that you can come up with as far as your job is concerned is that you get paid. I'll say my pro is I get paid. So what's my con? I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. There's 27 cons and one pro. All right, God, am I seeing this right? Well, probably he's going to say no. You're not really seeing this real clear because you remember the girl that was in the, in the back room that you very rarely even spoke to when she came up to you and asked you to pray that day? It was the first time that she's ever touched me in five years and you made a difference in her life. That's a pro. You know, so oftentimes we forget the things that God wants to show us are pros and why we're in certain situations and why we're in places. He'll probably correct that, but let's say he doesn't. Let's say that you got one pro and you got 27 cons. And you say, Lord, am I seeing this right? And he says, yes. You say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he says, stay. You say, what? He says, I want you to stay. What? That can't be God. That's got to be bad pizza. <laughs> he says, I want you to stay. I've got a mission for you. You just be faithful and let me bring the increase. You see, we think that being a Christian is supposed to be easy. It's not. It's just blessed because we are living in the presence of the king because wherever we go, he goes with us because when there is no hope, he is our hope. When there's no peace, he's our peace. When there's no joy, he's our joy because he's with us not because of our circumstances. So it doesn't matter what happens with our circumstances. It doesn't matter how they change. You cannot steal my joy. You cannot steal my peace. You can't steal. You can't steal it because he's with me. And so you stay put because he said stay put. But the point is you bring it to God and you ask him, what do you want me to do? This is how I see it. What do you want me to do? And if you hear nothing, guess what? That's exactly what it means. Do nothing. We hate that. We hate it. God, help me. Show me what to do. Well, God's not answering, so I'm going to do something. It's what, it's what we do. It's what we do. Happens all the time. And then we go, why'd you do this to me, God? He goes, I didn't. You made a decision to do that when I didn't respond the way you wanted me to. You remember that? <laughs> no, good, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way we do life. When, when you say, when he says, I want you to stay in this hard place, we say, why? 
Why, God, do you want me to stay in this hard place? Don't you see all the abuse? Don't you see how people hate me? Don't you see that I'm not getting paid enough? Don't you see that I'm not appreciated? Don't you see? Don't you see? Why would you want me to stay here? Because I ask you to. I guarantee that nine times out of ten, maybe more, that's what you're going to hear because I ask you to. God, I, I haven't in my life. Now, he might because I don't want to limit God. But God's never answered the question why to me. Why, God? Nothing. When bad things happen to him, why, God? Nothing. He's always saying, Show them my glory in the midst of this bad time. Just lean on me. Depend on me. Come to me. Watch me. Show them my glory through you. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for a heart that is solely devoted to him so that he can show himself strong through that man and woman. So he can show the world that he's alive, he's well, and he's still on the throne. So you probably aren't going to get an answer to why. But you'll get an answer to how. How, Lord, would you just follow me? Well, you don't want me to go before you, Lord? No, I'd rather go before you, he says. And if you'll let me do that, I'll work miracles because that's who I am. I'll expand your vision of me, and I'll show you more of my glory and my beauty. Let me lead you. That's what he wants to do. So here was the prophecy. Tag on, y'all. Here was the prophecy in first service, that you got a lot of things that you really aren't bringing to the Lord. Uh, the prophecy was this, too, that this church probably brings more to the Lord than most. But there are still things out there that you've either forgotten or, or you're scared or you think that for some reason you got yourself in this mess, you got to get yourself out kind of thinking. And God says, no, all I want you to do is invite me in. All I want you to do is know my word on the subject. All I want you to do is commit to doing right. All I want you to do is to get my vision. And all I want you to do is allow me to bring the increase in every area of your life. Don't compartmentalize. Don't withhold. Allow him to saturate it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we stand for closing prayer? Thank you for being here. Apologize for the length. But uh, God is good, amen. Why don't we lift our hands together and let's pray. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. As we examine how to have a great day, God, because it doesn't depend on our circumstances. It doesn't depend on what life brings. It depends on you. You're our peace. You're our hope. You're our joy. You never leave us or forsake us, you say. And, Father, you want to bring abundance to every arena in our life, God. I pray that whatever things that we're withholding or somehow have just have just not brought forward to you, God, that you would begin to minister to us in those places. And, Father, to, to show yourself strong. I pray right now for this body of believers that this, 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 this 
five-step little thing that we've talked about this morning without religion but just in relationship with you that our view of you would be changed to such a degree that we allow your presence to, sh to show us more of who you are, that we move forward on that progressive process that you have for us until we see you in your fullness. I thank you for that. I pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Once again, thank you for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, please visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.